You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? You look fantastic. I know Pastor Brett told you to let somebody know they look fantastic, but just from me to you, you look marvelous. That's in the words of the old theologian, Billy Crystal. So you had to take that for what it's worth. Hey, we're beginning a brand new sermon series today called Things I Learned in Sunday School. What we're looking at is uh, Bible stories that a lot of times if you've been in church for a while, you think are familiar. But I've been in this for 26 years. And what I found is in the past, I could reference something and say, you know, Jonah and the whale or Daniel in the lion's den or David and Goliath. And people would just go, of course. Now, it's not necessarily, of course, they kind of go, what are we talking about? So I want to spend the next three weeks talking to you about three common Bible stories. And if you haven't been raised in church, this is fantastic. You're going to learn some of the the core Old Testament Bible stories and some of the meaning about that. If you've been in church all of your life and you have heard these all of your life, I'm believing that God's going to bring out something new to you to apply to your life as well. Now, I got to be honest with you, when I started thinking about this, I almost asked our, our team, could you just come up with something like boards up here with like little, little flannel felt boards? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, can I see your hands? You have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, I understand. These were in the days before Velcro. You would stick these characters up on little scenes back there to teach Sunday school lessons or Bible story lessons or whatever. And if, um, if, if they'd been around long enough, okay, if they were around long enough, they didn't stick anymore, right? They just kind of stuck on there and they'd fall off. And it was fine. There was a lot of grace in that. Um, the teacher would kind of ask one of the students to come up and just kind of hold it up there for them. It's fine unless your mother was the Sunday school teacher who showed grace to everybody else, but legalism when it came to you. Don't let that. It's like holding the flashlight for your dad when he's fixing something. The terror of every child, right? I want us to look at stories that we have treasured, read, honored, but let them sink deep, deep, deep within us again today. I want us to talk today about Daniel in the lion's den. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 6, and we're going to start and read verses 13 through 16. It says, so they told the king... That man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. I pray that your word would speak to us and and resonate, but also settle deep within our hearts, especially those that are in this place where they need to faithfully follow you in difficult circumstances, stand firm in places of opposition, and Lord, to believe that your faithfulness will carry them all the way through. And God, as you do these things, we'll give you praise for it. Anoint the words as they go forth and on our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, so you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll give you that praise in Christ's name. Amen and amen. So one of the stories 
about uh, difficulties with a story like this is if you've heard it long enough and you heard it as a child, you get sort of a, a characterization. You get sort of a kid version of this in your head. So you, you think about Daniel and the lion's den. So what you think is there's this young, scrapping young teenager, you know, and he's got these lions, but they're really small. You know, they're cute. They're cuddly. All those things. You know what I mean? That's what you, you get this idea. Because sometimes you see it illustrated and you see the picture painted of those things. Okay. That's not at all how this is. Daniel is not some scrapping little teenager. He's not in his 20s. He's 80 years old at this point in his life. He's lived through so much and seen God be faithful through so much. These are not little cute little kittens, okay? Personally, I don't think there is such a thing, just so you know. I'm a dog guy. For all you cat lovers, save your emails. I'm not going to read them. These are not cute little kittens. These are dangerous lions. These are a place that you were sent for punishment. If you've ever had the opportunity to either go to a zoo or um, one of those things, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to be in Kenya and also in South Africa and see lions on game drives and, and, and to see them in the way they are ferocious at times. These lions are brutal. And what Daniel is facing is sure death, sure annihilation. That's what he's facing. But Daniel has seen God be faithful for so long. He has been a part of living in Babylon for decades. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Daniel was one of a group of men and a group of people who were taken from Judah, Jerusalem. They were conquered by the Babylonian Empire they were taken back to Babylon and they were forced into slave labor or some were forced to serve in the kingdom. Daniel was one of the few that was forced to serve in the kingdom. He has watched God's faithfulness as by the time that this is written, he has already seen three kings, two empires. He will live past Darius's reign and he will go into Cyrus's reign. He will wind up seeing four kings, two different empires and God's faithfulness throughout all of it. This particular king, Darius, is the first king of the Medes and the Persians. So it, the Babylonians conquered them, but then the Babylonian empire was conquered by the Persian or the Medo-Persian empire. Darius is the king who took over that and conquered them. He was known by history as an absolute administrative genius. History records that. The Bible tells us that too, but history records him as an absolute, uh, just administrative genius. So one of the first things that he does when he begins his reign is he divides the kingdom into 120 provinces and he, he um, appoints 120, they call them satraps or they call them governors or high officers over each of the provinces. And then he appoints three administrators to oversee all of the 120. Daniel is one of the three top administrators. And the Bible tells us that he begins to have such success that others get jealous. Now, the three overseeing administrators, their job was to make sure that the high officers, the governors, were to guard against rebellion, protect against rebellion, to collect taxes, and to look after the financial well-being of the empire. Literally just sort of balance the national checkbook. That'd be nice, right? Sorry. You can send those emails to the same place you send the cat emails, okay? Just so you know. That's their job. 
That was what they were supposed to do. Daniel is so successful, the king is about to elevate him, and it causes problems. Look with me at verses 1 through 3. It says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. He was making plans to put him over everybody just under the king. Now, this sounds like, I mean, he's been faithful 80 years. He's watched God's faithfulness, right? He's been faithful all these years. This sounds like, wow, God's favor is on him. He's about to be put in the highest position. Everything is going great. Things can't get any better, right? Well, on the outside, what looks like a promotion is causing turmoil on the inside. Because the other two administrator, administrators are gathering together the high officers, and they're turning against Daniel. And one of the things we're going to see is that Daniel remains faithful to God throughout all of this. And the way he remains faithful reminds us that no matter what circumstances you face, no matter how difficult it may get, you have within you the ability to stay faithful to God even during the most difficult circumstances. And as you do, in Daniel chapter 6, there are three truths that I want you to see as we come through this and know how to remain faithful. Number one is this. Expect to be challenged when God is blessing you. Expect to be challenged when God is blessing you. Listen to me. You can expect when God's blessings are being poured out you and you get the promotion at work or you, get the, you, you land the big deal at work or, or things are going well, just in all in general, God's just blessing you. You can expect to be challenged. Some of those challenges will come from outside. Some of those challenges come from inside. You can expect that there will be people that will rise up in opposition. You can expect that there will be people who will rise up in jealousy over God's blessings in your life. You need to expect it. Here's what happens in Daniel's case. Verse four through, verses 4 through 9, it says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. And so they concluded, Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. And so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius! We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days that any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. And so King Darius signed the law. So they come up with a plan. We're going to destroy Daniel. We can't do it by the way he's operating in his official capacities and all those things. We're going to do it because we're going to challenge him to either be faithful to God and risk his life or save his life and not be faithful to God. They challenge him by going to the king. And for lack of a better word, they just butter up the king. They just flatter him. Oh, King Darius, live long. I don't know what else they said. I don't know if they said, man, you're looking buff today. You've been working out. I don't know. I don't know what they said, 
But in such a way they said, no one should be prayed to. Not a God, not a person, except for you, King Darius. So make it a law for the next 30 days that anyone who prays to anyone, human or divine besides you, make it a law that they should be thrown into a den of lions. And so he agrees. And Daniel is faced with a decision. What do I do? Because the Bible, we will find, tells us that Daniel is faithful to God, faithful in prayer every single day, that he will pray three times a day. Literally, the discipline of prayer is prevalent all through his day. And it's well known. People know this. What a compliment to Daniel, even though it doesn't feel this way that people will try to trap him because they know his faithfulness to God. Let's make it where he can't pray because we know he's so faithful in prayer. They'll challenge him. So what does he do? He has three choices. He can just not pray. He can stop praying. I mean, he can stop praying and say, you know what, I've done this for 80 years. It's just 30 days. I just won't pray for those 30 days. I just won't do it. I mean, I've prayed three times a day for all these years. There's some days I've probably prayed five or six. I'm pretty sure averaged out when we get to the end of it, it'll be fine. You know, because you can rationalize all those things, right? He could fake it. The Bible tells us that he goes to his room three times a day and opens up the windows that faces towards Jerusalem and prays to God for help. He could not do that anymore. He could keep the window shut. He could just bow his head, pray privately, pray silently. Someone asked him what he's doing. Oh, I'm just meditating, just thinking. He could do that. Or he could stay faithful to God and continue to pray. And Daniel chooses to do what he's always done, to always pray to pray without ceasing, to not give up on the spiritual discipline and the close relationship that he develops with God through his personal prayer time. Listen, you can expect to be challenged when God is blessing you. You can expect that to happen. The second thing is this. Kneeling to pray gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray gives you the strength to stand. Here's what verses 10 through 18 says. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying, asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. The Bible goes on to say that that, uh, for the rest of the day, the king looks for a way to get Daniel out of this, but he cannot find a way. Verse 16. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. And then the king returned to his palace, 
and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. The king realizes at this point, there's nothing he can do to save Daniel. The king who has all power in the most powerful nation on the face of the earth is powerless to save Daniel at this point. He realizes he's been tricked at this point too. He knows it, but there's nothing that he can do. And so what he says to Daniel is this, this man who is a pagan, pagan leader, worships pagan gods, this man says to Daniel, may your God, whom you so faithfully serve, may he somehow rescue you from the mouths of these lions. And the Bible says he goes home and he fasts and he stays up all night. Think about this. In one moment, Daniel and his faithfulness to God brings a king to start praying to the God of Daniel. May your God, whom you so faithfully serve, rescue you. What gives Daniel the ability to be faithful? What gives him the ability to stay strong during this time? Because we don't read about Daniel cowering before the king. We don't read about Daniel saying, give me one more chance. We don't read about Daniel saying, please don't throw me into the lion's den. Don't do any of this. It's a misunderstanding. We don't read about any of that. What we know is Daniel was faithful and trusted God. How did he stay strong and faithful? Two things that make that up, bravery and resilience. Bravery is not a sudden burst of courage like we think it is. Bravery is a firm reliance and a belief that is grounded in our relationship with God. Bravery is not when you never fear. That's not what bravery is. Bravery is when your faith is stronger than your fear. When fears come against you, your faith is grounded so much. Like we sang earlier, a firm foundation. It's something that you settle in. It's something that you rely on. In the Bible, it's not a blind faith. In the Bible, when it talks about faith and it talks about trust in the Bible, what it means is a confidence and a security and a hope. Not a tentative trust, but a firm, unwavering trust. And the trust is not in your ability and not in your wisdom and not in somebody else's power. It's rooted in a deep knowledge of God's promises and God's character. That's how you can stand strong. That's how you can be brave in those moments. And it's also resilience. Daniel has seen God time and time and time again be faithful. And in his mind, God is going to be faithful once again. In a study published in the Journal of Positive Psychology, researchers found that individuals who exhibit resilience are more likely to seek support from other people and more likely to find meaning in the difficulty that they're facing. Resilience is the ability to stand when everything else is shaking. Your world is going to shake sometimes. You're going to face difficult circumstances. You're going to have trials and tribulations. Jesus said you would, but he also had a promise that he's overcome the world. But your ability to trust in that and to hang in there is what is missing. This is my firm belief. 
It's what is missing in a lot of modern Christianity today. This wishy-washy, I'll serve God until something goes wrong. I'll serve God until something happens that I don't like. I'll serve God and I'll worship God until this happens, X. And you fill in the blank. Listen to me. There is a resi- there's something about a resilience that says, I am standing on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that storms are going to come. He actually told us in one of the parables, he says, listen, it's like someone who builds their house. One person builds the same house on sandy soil and another person builds it on a firm foundation, a rock. And he said, the same winds and the same storm are gonna come against both houses, but the one that is built upon the rock is the one that is going to stand. Listen to me. There will be times in your life where it feels like everything is coming against you, but you need to know if you are built in the firm foundation foundation of Jesus Christ. You can stand. You don't have to run. You don't have to hide. You can stand in his grace and his knowledge and his power. And at the same time, God develops you and changes you and molds you into someone different and new and better, more like him. C.S. Lewis says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destinies. It's through hardships, through uncertainty, that we're shaped and we're molded into the people God is wanting us to be. Only if you're willing to hang in there. Don't give up. And don't cave in. Because usually at those moments you feel that, deliverance is right around the corner. Daniel's prayer life prior to this crisis is what sustains him through this crisis. Listen to me. Many t- we live in an age of microwave prayers. You wait for the problem, then you shoot up a prayer. Can I just tell you something? Today's prayers ought to prepare you for tomorrow's challenges. It's not just about, am I facing something right now? It is Praying on a regular basis, allowing God to build your faith. And I know some of you are probably saying, but what if God doesn't do it like he did Daniel? What if he doesn't heal me? What if I don't get the promotion? What if my child doesn't come back? What if they wander away from me and they break off the relationship? What am I going to do in all of those circumstances? And I need you to understand something. Daniel never had a promise of an outcome, but he did have an assurance of God's faithfulness. Which brings me to the third thing which is when you are faithful in small things, you can expect God to be faithful in the big things. In verse 19, it says, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not harm me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I've not wronged you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And the lions leaped on them, tore them apart even before they hit the floor of the den. And then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. 
I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and he saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth, and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What did Daniel know? He knew God had been faithful for 80 years. He had been faithful through the exile. When the people were taken out of their homeland and brought to a foreign land, the Babylonian Empire. He had watched God be faithful when they got brought there. He and three of his friends that were ordered into service, conscripted into service to serve the king. And the king said, I want them to be trained in every sort of culture and language And I want them to be robust in their health. And he gave them food and drink and all of these things. And Daniel and his friends found out that that food and that drink had been offered to idols prior to it. And they refused. And they asked the person that was overseeing them, please don't make us drink that. Please don't make us eat that. And he said, the king will have my head if you look weak. And Daniel and his three friends said, just give us vegetables and waters. And in 10 days, if we look bad, You can do with us what you want to. He said, okay. Ten days later, they looked healthier than everybody else. It's not because they were vegetarians. That's not it. (laughs) Somebody just said, whoo. I'm with you. Spirit bears witness. It's because they were faithful to God, refusing to worship anyone but him. And he saw God's faithfulness. He saw God be faithful to his three friends who refused to bow down to an idol and worship. And the king, a different king, threw them into a furnace in order to burn them up. But the Bible says they were brought out of that furnace. There wasn't any harm to them. Not one hair singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. He watched God be faithful. He watched God take two of those kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He watched them humble those kings in two different ways because of their pride and their arrogance. And he's watched him for 80 years, four different kings, two different world empires. He's watched God's faithfulness. Daniel knew God to be faithful. What God needed was for King Darius to see that God was faithful. You see, this is not about Daniel in the lion's den. This is about a faithful God who needs to know the world to know about his faithfulness. King Darius can't sleep all night. Rushes out the next morning and asks him, Daniel, has the God whom you faithfully serve, has he been able to rescue you from these lions? And Daniel says, absolutely. And he's lifted up unharmed, unscratched. And the men who maliciously maligned him, who falsely accused him, are thrown in, and they are completely destroyed. Daniel knows by experience and by God's word that God is faithful. Psalm 57, I wonder if Daniel, this was brought to mind. But this was the passage that came to mind when I was looking. Psalm 57, verses 1 through 6 says this. Listen to it. Have mercy on me, O God. 
have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me, and I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Over and over and over again, he is seeing God's faithfulness, and he says, I'm going to trust in God's word. I'm going to trust in God's faithfulness. The experience that I've seen, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I know that I can remain faithful, and God is greater than any circumstance that I have to face. God can bring me through. He can bring me out, but he can definitely bring me into his presence if he doesn't. And Daniel's faithfulness doesn't just allow the circumstance to change. It begins to change a king. It begins to change a world empire. One more time, I want to read to you the king's decree. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Now, the next few lines, I want you to listen to me. Listen to them because King Darius could have wrote, could have written a psalm here. If you put this to lyrics, this sounds like one of the psalms in the book of Psalms. Here's what he says. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Listen to me. An evil king in an evil world empire is singing the songs of praise of God most high because someone was faithful in the small things and God was faithful in the big things. And Daniel doesn't know that thousands of years later we're going to be talking about this. He doesn't know we're going to look back on this and say, that little act of faithfulness wasn't about the lions. It was about, I will not stop praying. If it costs me, it costs me. He doesn't know that this is going to be held up in the example of God's faithfulness to us as well. And you don't know what God's going to do through what seems like a little act of faithfulness on your part when you are standing strong when everything else is shaking. When you are standing firm when everything else seems like it's falling apart. You don't know what God's going to do. But I can promise you this. If you're faithful in small things, God will be faithful in big things. And he'll use your act of faithfulness in bigger ways than you can ever imagine. You can't see it now, but God can. And it may be you won't know it until you stand in his presence. And he says, well done. Good, faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. But his promise is true. And whatever you're facing, hang in there. Stay faithful. And watch the deliverance of the Lord. 
at just the right time and just the right way for his glory and your good. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? The greatest act of faithfulness that has ever been seen is through the act of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. As Pastor Brett read, laying aside all his rights and privilege and becoming faithful and obedient unto death on a cross for your sins and my sins. If you came into this place today and you know things weren't right between you and the Lord, I invite you just to pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the gift that you have given to me and to us. The offer that you have given, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation to the Father. But it requires everything of me. I ask for your forgiveness, but I'm surrendering my life to you, to your lordship, and to your leadership. I will follow you through your word and through your spirit until the day that I stand in your presence. And I will never be the same from this day forward. I'm going to ask everyone just to pray this prayer with me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, no one looking around except the ministry team and me. That's you. You know when you came in here this morning, things weren't right between you and the Lord, but you're making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. I want to pray for you this week. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand really high and just say, that's me. Pray for me this week, Pastor. Just keep it up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Yes. Amen. God bless you. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Lord, We thank you for redeemed lives, for changed lives, for hope that has been renewed. We thank you for the awesome gift that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for the unbelievable privilege that we have. That it's not a one-time thing, but it is a consistent walking with your presence every single day. Thank you for hope that has been restored. Thank you for lives that have been changed. For those that are in this room and they made that decision right now, thank you that they realize how faithful you've been. For those that have been walking with you for years, thank you that through communion we're going to celebrate your faithfulness as well. And God, in these next few moments, bless these elements, bless the communion time. Make us remember the great things you've done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hopefully you received some elements when you came in. If you'll take those elements, please. If you did not, Uh, If you'll raise your hand, please, someone will get these elements to you. If you didn't get those, just leave them up. Uh, Raise your hand really high and someone will get those. Keep them up. Um, As you prepare, there is a clear seal at the top. If you'll just take the wafer out once you unseal that. There's another seal um, underneath that, which will um, open up to the juice uh, for the elements as well. The Bible tells us that when we observe Holy Communion, what we are doing is remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember a body that was broken for us and blood that was spilled for us. Those two things paid the price for our sins. Because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no payment or remission of sin. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. 
the chastisement, punishment, that we might have peace with God was placed upon him and by his stripes were healed. That's not just physical healing. That's wholeness. Spiritually, emotionally, whole through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when we partake of Holy Communion, we remember that didn't come free. It costs Christ everything. But he was willing to do it for you and me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, he says, On the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it. He said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup and said, This cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that your word says you look down and you knew we would need this. You knew that we couldn't pay the price for our sins and you willingly paid it. You said in your word that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. From the very beginning, you knew we would need it. And before we were ever created, you made up your mind. That's why your word says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that Lord Jesus, when you ascended back to heaven to prepare a place for us, thank you that the Father didn't leave us alone, but left us with the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to empower us, to infill us, to enable us, to counsel us, to guide us. And thank you that your word promises, as Paul reminds us here, that we remember what you've done until you come again. Thank you that your faithfulness doesn't end now. Your faithfulness is for eternity when you will bring us all into your presence. We thank you for that. Thank you that you are a faithful God. And thank you that we can build our complete lives on your faithfulness. Help us to remain strong based on your faithfulness. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you celebrate with me today? 12 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Come on, let's celebrate. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you made that decision uh, today or in the last few weeks, I would love to help you get you started in your walk. At the end of service, some of our grow team will be down front. We'd love to help you uh, just get on the right track and get started in that. Um, also, out in our uh, atrium area, if you'd like some more information about uh, Mount Perry North, how to get it plugged in, how to discover your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your passions, um, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. So take that and fill that card out and just take it to the connection point in the atrium. We would love to talk with you as well. I'm going to ask you, well, before you stand, I want us to see where is, uh, I'm going to see if I can find him in the room. Um, pastor Lance, our worship pastor, um, uh, has been sick this week. And uh, Pastor Savannah, our assistant worship pastor, is off this week and out. And so Pastor Jason Duncan, at the last minute, stepped in to lead worship. I think he's up here somewhere. Or is he up here somewhere? I don't know where he is. Right back there. Jason, thank you. 
Thank you, my friend. Thank you for leading with excellence this morning at the last minute. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Hope you have a fantastic week. Allow me the privilege to bless you before you go. Oh, next week, if you want to get ahead of things, talking about Jonah and the well, okay? All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.